Has there ever been a time in your life when you got lost? Is it fun? I think back to um, a number of situations, but one in particular that for some reason whenever I think about this topic always comes back to mind. And the largest state fair supposedly in the country is Minnesota State Fair. Anybody ever gone to the Minnesota State Fair before? Okay, I see a few hands going up. I was there with my family, and I was probably about five or six years old. And just walking along with them, and somehow I got distracted, and before I knew to look around, I don't see my parents anywhere. And I'm just, you know, and I'm running around and, and just panicking. I just remember that panic feeling of, you know, all these strange people all around me. I had no idea where I was, and running around, and finally somebody saw me and, and kind of led me to a police officer who took me to this um, lost and found shelter. And... Eventually, about, probably about a half hour later, it seemed like two days, the most incredible sight I ever saw. My dad walked into that room. And what a relief. What a relief for me. But I also looked at his face, too, and I saw a relief in him, too. You know, we live in a world of lostness. And the most important, you know, the most difficult type of lostness that is there that needs to be dealt with is a lostness spiritually. You know, in the Old Testament, we see in the very beginning, in Genesis, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God, perfect love. You know, it'd be incredible to, someday we'll experience that in, in heaven, but we can catch glimpses of it here. But they were, had complete love with God, with themselves, with each other, with nature. Everything was perfect. And what happened when sin came into the world? It all changed. Even Adam tries to hide himself. Sin leads to lostness. And because we all sin, our relationship with God is not by any means perfect here in this side of eternity. And because of sin, we are separated from God. And we cannot earn our way to heaven. And what we see in the world today is human beings attempt to try to deal with this problem of sin and lostness. There's all kinds of different religions that have come up, and, and some that have no religion at all. You know, different viewpoints, different philosophies, ideas. You look at a lot of the religions of the world, there's thousands of them. I believe there's only two, only two religions on this planet. And the largest group I call it the do religions. It's all about what you do to deal with our losses, to deal with this problem of sin, what people try to do is they, they try to earn their way to, to please the God or the gods of their particular religion. And there's a lot of problems with that. You know, the question with a lot of these religions is, what's good enough? What is your God or your gods? What's, what will we accept in order to, to let you in? You look at these different religions and the people I know that I've talked to from some of these different religions, there's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, wondering, have I done enough? And so the reality of the situation is, what is good enough? And not only that, but if God is love, what kind of love would a God have if a God says, I'm going to let you in if you do this, 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 and this? Most of you, a lot of you here are probably parents, maybe grandparents. And even for those that are close, even if you're not a parent, do you tell people, you know, you can be my 
child, I'll accept you, you can be my friend if you do this and that and that. Is that how you deal with people? And we're imperfect human beings. We're sinful. And so what kind of love is that when there's stipulations placed? I'll love you if you do this. That's called what? Conditional love. And that's not the love of the God that we see in the Bible. Okay? The second thing is, even if that's what they believe, how do you get to heaven? Where is heaven? Anybody know where heaven is? You ask a kid where heaven is, what do they do? They point up. Okay? And so the kids in China are pointing the other way. And the world's spinning in a thousand, rotating a thousand miles an hour. As every time they're pointing up, it's a different direction. It's revolving at over 22,000 miles an hour. And every time they're pointing, it's a different direction. Where is heaven? I have no clue where heaven is. And for people to think that they can get themselves there through whatever their philosophy, their idea is, doesn't make sense to me. The number one, they believe in a conditional God. And secondly, they think they can find their way to wherever heaven is. Okay? I want you to imagine you're going to have brain surgery. And some guy is going to operate on your head. And you ask him, have you ever done this before? He says, no, never done it before. <laughs> How's that going to make you feel? If the guy says, you know, I've done it a thousand times. How's your success rate been? 100%. Okay, that's, that's the guy I want. Or if you're going to climb to the top of Mount Everest and your tour guide says, I've never been there before, but I'll try to help you get there. Or someone else says, you know, I've done this over 100 times. I know what we need to do. And so I figure if we're going to get to heaven, wouldn't it be great to have somebody who really knows how to get there? And that's what Christianity is all about. We have a God who understands our lostness and a God who wants to help us to get to where we need to go because we can't do it ourselves. One of the most important things in life to say is, you know what, I can't do this. I can't stop sinning. I can't take my sin away. I have a problem and I need help. That's a big part of Christianity, confessing our sins like we did just a few moments ago. What I want to do right now is... is I want us to take a look in the Bible. And first, if you want to grab one of those Bibles, and I saw some of you brought your Bibles, you want to use your own Bible, that's great. And I want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, and the Pew Bibles is on page 1506, 1506. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. One five zero six, And what this makes clear is that there are two ways, two pathways in the end. And it says in verse 13 in chapter 7, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is a gate and broad is a road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. One path leads where? To hell. Separation from God. One path leads to heaven. Which is a hard one? Heaven. In fact, it's impossible for us. In fact, only one has found that road. And that's Jesus. And so there is a heaven. There is a hell. 
And a lot of people in this day and age, a lot of Christians say, ah, there's, there's no heaven. A lot of people say there's, there's all kinds of ways to get to heaven, and no matter what you believe, all the ways get there. Is that really what the Bible says? I want you to jump to um, Luke chapter 15. 1, 6, 2, 3. 1, 16, 23 in the Pew Bible. 16, 2, 3. Matthew 15, verse 3 and following. So Matthew 15, verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. This tells us the heart of God. Let's say you got 100 sheep, okay? And you got this big flock. Like, say, like you're the, let's pretend like you're sheep, and I'm like the shepherd. And, um, you know, one of you kind of wanders off and doesn't come back. I say, excuse me, everybody, but i got to go find that one. Is that kind of, because the easy thing to say would be what? Hey, i still got 99. That's, that's still pretty good. But the point is that for the good shepherd, for our God, who matters? Every single person matters to him. And later in the same chapter, if you want to flip the page, the parable of the lost son. The parable of the lost son. And I'm going to paraphrase it. But the, um, the father has two sons, and one son says, Hey, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance. And the father says, Okay. Gives it to him, what does he do? Goes off, and he parties down, and he squanders his money. He's got all kinds of friends as long as the money and everything's flowing, and then it's all gone. And he's all alone. He hits bottom. And he has to do the most embarrassing thing for a Jewish person. He goes and he works with what? With pigs. And he's longing for the food that the pigs are eating. And he's thinking to himself, I I had it so good with my father. I had it so good with him. Maybe I'll go back and, and see if he'll take me back as one of his servants. And as he approaches his father from a distance, the father sees him. And what does the father do? falls down in front of him, just elated that this son is back. Even though he squandered the inheritance, he's back, and he celebrates. And meanwhile, the other son, probably representative of the church of today, other son, he's all ticked off. Wait a second. You're having this big party for for him, and, and he went away and did all that. I've been here all the time. And what does the father say to him? You know, you've been with me all the time. Everything I've had all along is yours. But this son of, this son of, our, of, of mine, your brother, who was lost, is now found. He was blind, but now he sees. And so what we see is we have a God who reaches out to us to help us to find our way to where it really matters. And that's heaven. 
There's something about sin that blinds us. I'm not sure how many of you have been Christians your entire life. I have not been a Christian my entire life, and I can think back to when I didn't believe. I can honestly say I was spiritually blinded. It just didn't make sense. I would try to read the Bible. It was like reading a foreign language. The people we know out there that don't know Jesus, it just doesn't make sense. They think we're nuts. You know, we're telling about, we believe in some guy we've never seen. We talked to like an invisible person and and some guy that walked on water and rose from the dead and and, um, that we're going to some place. And for them, it's like, they think we're crazy, most likely. And we got to realize that. But yet God never, ever gives up. And then also in Luke 17, we see the, the, the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was an interesting guy. Chief tax collector, hated by everybody, but Jesus chooses him and goes to his house. And when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are giving Jesus a hard time saying, what do you do with that terrible, evil person? 17 verse 10 tells the heart of Jesus. I'm sorry, it's 19.10, excuse me, wrong chapter, 19.10. Messing you up here. 19.10. I love this verse. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And now we're going to go to our verse for today, from John chapter 14. This kind of lays out the foundation of what God means when he sends us away in Jesus. In John 14, Jesus is saying, you know what? I have mansions in heaven. There are mansions in heaven, okay? I want to give you a homework assignment. If you get a chance, go see the shack. But see with an open mind, okay? But it kind of gives you a glimpse of what things look like from the other side. We see life from this side. God sees a completely different picture. And Jesus came from heaven to earth. And he says, you know what? You know, I'm going to kind of help you in human terms. There are some amazing mansions up there. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And I've got a place already prepared for you. Okay, you can't get there by yourself. And I've come down here because I am going to help lead you and I'm going to take you in t- one day where you're going to be in heaven. And they're saying, okay, well, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get there, Jesus? He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a bold statement. A lot of people, if you just say, you know, Jesus is the only way, they're going to think, ah, you are so narrow-minded. But I want to tell you right now, I truly believe that that's the case. In this day and age, especially in the younger generations, we're seeing this more and more, just there's all kinds of pathways. That's really not how it even works in life. Every year I go to my father's house up in northern Minnesota. 
And I can honestly say that as I make the journey there, the first part are different options. I can go up Highway 17, I can go through Payson, I can go through Globe, there's different freeways I can take, but as I get closer to that destination, the options narrow until finally, the last part of the journey, there's only one road that's going to take me to my dad's place. No other road's going to make, get me there. I think some religions, yeah, there's some commonality. There's talk about sin. They talk about maybe there's a heaven and a hell. There's maybe the Ten Commandments, and there's some commonalities. But eventually, Christianity diverges from all of them because Christianity is the only religion that's not a do religion. It's a done religion. That Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has done it for us. He has won the victory for us. He takes us all the way there. Our human efforts are going to always fall short, but Jesus, in its perfection, has won the way to heaven for us. He's the way. There's two kinds of people in the world today. Those that believe that, and those that don't. But the reality is that Jesus, no matter what people think, he's still what? He's still the way. And if you believe that, I want to encourage us to let our lives revolve around that. He's my way. He's not just the way. He's he's my way. He's the way I want to go. Not just on this way to heaven, but I want to try to be more like him. I want to try to follow his way more. And also, as you walk closer with him, you're going to realize that the people around you to know the truth, you're going to want to be more involved in helping them to know the truth too because there is so much at stake The stuff in this world is so trivial compared to this relationship we have with Jesus. Does anybody ever use their GPS system in here, like their phone? These are amazing, you know. In fact, I typed in heaven. (laughs) And it it didn't, it was like heavenly barbecue, heavenly massage, um, you know. But there wasn't heaven, heaven in here, okay? And so it's not going to show me how to get there. But God has given us a better one, a perfect one. This is God's positioning system right here. This is the direction, okay? It's kind of a, a lot here, but this is where we find that direction. And sometimes, even with our GPS we use, you ever make a wrong turn? And what's it doing? It's serious saying, Make a U-turn at the next place. They divert you, okay? And, and I know that for all of us in our lives, there's been times that we have diverted. And maybe right now, we're in a diversion stage. But I want to encourage us right now on this Wednesday evening that every one of us is right back square on the path. If we're diverted, let's realign. Let's realign with Jesus. Let's realize that yeah, he is the way, but this is meant to be personal. Not just a concept in the head. This is a life. Jesus is my way. Not just now, but forever. And through him, the future is great. One day we're going to be in heaven. And one day it's all going to make sense. All the challenges, all the difficulties we face in this world it's going to all make sense. But my friends, Jesus is the way. What does that mean to you? Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we live in a world of lostness. And so often as we make this journey, we, we get diverted. We get sidetracked. The world pulls at us. We hear, come over here, go, go this way, go that way. Before we know it, we're lost. But you'd never have ever given up on us. And you're there for us. And Lord, I pray right now that we are back on the right path, living our lives for you and everything that we do in, in deeper ways. But at the same time, Lord, help us to also have our eyes open to those around us that are, are lost. Help us to be people who lead them to you, Lord Jesus, to lead them to the way that is you. And to be bold and to realize this is the most important gift, the most important thing we can do for anyone. We pray this in your name. Amen.